0: See Beneath Your Beautiful podcast is raw and intimate, sometimes funny, and always entertaining. With new episodes every Saturday, Hara explores our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. Today we interview Aida and she discusses domestic abuse and how to find peace through forgiveness and emotional responsibility. Aida, will you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? My name is Aida
1: Vogt. A little bit about myself, I am a wife and a mother, a daughter, a sister. I have an extraordinary group of friends. I have an exceptional family. Uh, My husband calls me the COO of Cloudview. So I basically run a household of boys and dogs and just keep everything running. I am a fashion designer. I currently am designing a line of clothing for little girls. I also am a writer. I write primarily articles pertaining to healthy relationships with teenage girls. And I also am blessed to train uh, with a dear friend, a class specifically geared for healthy relationships, emotional responsibility for teenage girls between the ages of 12 and 15. And it's called the Girl Power Zone. So we have a blast with that.
0: That's awesome. We met because you came to do a Photo shoot with me for See Me. And at that time, you chose some words to put on your back to claim as your own. And I found out then that you were a survivor of domestic violence. And is that part of what you teach to the young women?
1: It was the motivating factor, in a sense, to begin
0: the class.
1: I was in a 15 year marriage. And when I came out of it, I had to do a significant amount of healing myself and coming out of that healing. I began asking the question rather than trying and working on healing women on the other side of it. Why don't we educate young girls from the very beginning and go, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. This is what a healthy friendship looks like. This is what your self value. This is what you are worth and above all, emotional responsibility, that we are responsible for our actions and our words, and, and we train people on how to treat us. So if they have that, and that is poured into them with that knowledge from the beginning, their lens will be far more discerning when they walk into those relationships. So it was the catalyst, so to speak, because I began asking the questions, why don't we Rather than fixing on one end, let's start it from the beginning and implant that education and then move forward.
0: I sure wish I had that when I was a young woman. My co-trader and I, we always say
1: we want to be the women we needed at 13. Yeah. That becomes the focus for us. We want to be that woman. Yeah.
0: The girls that are in these classes, how do they find you? We promote it through
1: everything from Facebook, through churches, schools any type of youth group in the area, word of mouth. Ironically enough, we've been running the class going on eight, nine years now. The very girls that began with us send now their little sisters or we have a connection with uh, the Department of Health and Welfare. So I contact the social workers there who have girls that are aging out of this foster care system, which ironically enough, those are the very girls that were more than likely pulled from an abusive family And now they are 17, 18 years old, which the likelihood of them turning around and walking right back into a relationship that is abusive, having a child and that child then being taken, it is a vicious cycle. So those are the girls that we really want to target. And it doesn't matter demographic, financial situation, even race or religion. It doesn't matter. This is an issue that pretty much taps just about any demographic that there is, whether it's faith-based, whether it's not faith-based, wherever they may be, it's prevalent pretty much everywhere.
0: Visually, you look middle-class America or sophisticated and in my head, my stereotype of somebody who's been abused. Growing up myself,
1: coming out of college and beginning to date and so forth like that. I absolutely was guilty of that judgment this sort of thing only happened to those people, the uneducated ones that they had no idea. It was never something that would tap into my world. I come from a Mexican family. Divorce isn't part of it. Raised Catholic. My parents are about to celebrate 57 years of marriage. My brother has been married 25 years. I mean, marriage is sacred to us. And so... You go into it with all the dreams, all the hopes, all the, this is the person that I'm picking to spend my life, raise children, raise a family, buy a house, and we're going to grow old together. That's where your mindset is. So I didn't come from abuse. I had no idea. In my head was that this was normal marital behavior. And later on, I came to find out specifically the definition of it, because it isn't until it's defined to you that then it becomes like it becomes real. So when you look at domestic abuse, it's a defined pattern. And that's the key word here, a pattern of behavior in whatever relationship you may be in. You can be a man or a woman, whatever relationship, but it's this pattern of behavior that is used primarily to control an individual. It can come in the form of whether it's sexually, financially, verbally, spiritually. It could be used through scripture, God. They could threaten to hurt our animal, our property. My car keys were taken away from me. I was controlled. It's any type of consistent behavior. I thought, I must be going crazy. You're absolutely blaming yourself. But I didn't realize my self-esteem was low. I married later in life. I was closer to 30. So there was that pressure. Oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have children. No one's going to pick me. So you go into this thinking, oh, gosh, thank you so much for marrying me. I mean, the setup is perfect. Yeah, That's what's so difficult about this. And then what's extraordinary, like I said, I was married 15 years. It didn't happen right away it starts out slowly there's an awesome analogy that says if a frog were to jump into a pot of boiling water he would jump out immediately cuz he knew he would die but if he would to jump into a, a pot of cool water and you slowly raise the temperature he will die there's a shame and a guilt that goes with it because oh my gosh i'm i'm not a good enough wife i'm not making him happy i should be doing better you know maybe he needs sex more often Maybe I'm not making enough money. I'm not cleaning the house. And then there's pride. Because if you were to go back to your family, like I said, I mean, I have long-term marriages around me and go, oh my gosh, I picked the wrong man. For me personally, there were so many things that kept me there. I did not have the right tools at that time to identify what was happening to me. I distinctly remember a time, the first time, the outburst, My oldest was about two. And I even went to my parents going, this doesn't feel right to me. There was like something wrong. And my parents were like, no, no, you know,
0: this is part of marriage and so forth. So they didn't know. So we went back. Well, and there's a fear of not having money, the finances and having your kids being from a broken home. There's guilt with that. Yeah. And there was a lot leading up to that because
1: in my case, I had financial abuse, verbal abuse, and psychological. I mean, everybody assumes that it's, it's physical. There's a myriad of other things that can happen. So I had threats of violence, the things that would be done to me if I didn't behave. Constantly being told that I'm going to leave, but if I leave, you'll be homeless. You don't know how to handle money. You guys will starve without me. There is a cycle to how these things happen. And I didn't know that yet. You justify, you are doing everything you possibly can to keep the secret inside your house. My oldest and I had hand signals. I would come home, he'd be outside raking the front yard and he'd give me a hand signal that would tell me what was waiting for me at home.
0: Oh, wow. So it's, it's impacting the children. Yeah. When I left, my husband, my oldest was six years old and she said, you don't slam doors anymore you don't realize how you're changing. Actually, you're changing and you're dying to yourself
1: because you're desperately trying to accommodate this person's needs in order to keep the peace in the house. And so part of you is dying, dying, dying slowly. I remember umpteen nights crying. And I finally said, Lord, I need a sign that I can stay here another 15 years or I need a sign that it's time for me to go. And the next morning, finding a concealed weapon request in the file cabinet. For a man that had never had any interest in guns whatsoever, it accelerated and it snowballed. Restraining order, hiding, changing of the locks, him stalking us, him getting arrested. So I reached out to my pastor uh, from my church and he in turn put me in connection with a woman who was the resource for an organization called ARMS. And ARMS is Abuse Recovery Ministry Services. And it's really interesting because you still think, okay, no, this thing that you've been holding onto for so long, it's like the moment I let this out of the bag, it's I'm an abused woman. So I held on to that card for like six months. What is extraordinary about this organization, they're based out of Oregon, is that it's a secret meeting in a sense of women who are in the same situation as I was. And it's a weekly meeting, 15 weeks of classes for free, and they run continuously. They never stop. All year round. And you walk into this room where you do not have to explain what is happening. You do not have to explain what you're feeling, what you're sensing, or what you've been through. They literally can see it on your face. And we start defining what has happened to us. We define what is abuse and what is this pattern of behavior. We discuss the cycle of abuse. And that was the first time where they told me he starts with feeling guilty for what he's done. And he's sad and he's remorseful. I'd get gifts. I mean, I would open the garage door and there'd be a brand new patio set. We'd go out to dinners. All these things we could not afford, but it was the guilt. And then he'd turn around and rationalize. You got me mad. And that's why I lost my temper. And that's why I got mad at you. And that's why I screamed at you. And that's why I threw the cell phone at your head. And then he's planning, he's watching me and he's planning and that it's the setup for what he's about to do. He's just waiting to pounce and then the abuse happens. I was hungry for the information. There's this pain that's been identified. You know what it is. Here's my cure. Part of the anxiety comes off of you. And so your value begins to grow. Your sense of purpose begins to grow. The ability to even get through the day increases because, I mean, at this point, I now am handling a mortgage, raising two boys by myself. There's bills. He was the one that handled the finances. I mean, I handed over my paycheck. Now all of that is in my lap. You go from thinking I can't do anything without him to I am capable of handling my finances. I can Give the love and support that my sons need. I can bring in the people that they need to help us. My family is in this. I am not alone. My God is with me. I am capable of doing these things. I am strong and I can thrive. Many people think, okay, great. Um, You're out of the divorce. Now your life is perfect. And in reality, that is when the real work begins. With abuse, you could go all day long and the rest of your life going, he did that to me. I am the victim. I was hurt. He did that. He's the monster. He abused me. That term victim. After a while, I'm like, I don't feel that anymore. I acknowledged that I was abused. I acknowledged violence was done to me by this individual. I'm acknowledging that it was wrong. But another part of it for me then to be free and to move on is to forgive this individual. I was so angry. I can't express this anger I feel toward this man with my children present because they are half his. There's already damage and I can't add to that. I can't. So I need to let this out. Finally, I said to myself, I go, Lord, I need to see him the way you see him and then help me release this. And it still took some more time, but I finally am there. It was seven years after the marriage, but a lot of work. And then the cool part about it is protecting the peace. because. There are times where I had to say no to individuals and situations and jobs and men because, no, I I like my peace. This is an awesome place to just glide right now.
0: That's awesome. My girlfriend left an abusive marriage and they had a young son at the time and she changed his name in her phone to her son's name, Dad. It's my son's dad instead of the husband that she didn't want anything to do with she tried to remember that this is his dad it's sort of like you're saying about how you know how does god view him let me have a little grace with him for my son's sake
1: if he had a choice between having a parent have not having that parent or having a wounded parent broken parent they would take the latter any time
0: i don't know if there's any of us that are not wounded in some way you have to have grace your ex-husband doesn't know the cycle of abuse. He didn't think, oh, I'm going to do it this way. They're not, not really villains. They're just messed up in their own way and take it out on you. Do you think that's true? I think very much so.
1: It's a learned behavior. But also for me, when I see him now, there was such an extraordinary amount of fear and self-doubt. On his part. On his part. Last summer, my my youngest finally sat down to me and asked me, Mom, what happened? I said, if at any point in that 15-year marriage, he had said, I'm scared. I don't think I'm being the best husband that you need. I don't know. I'm really not sure about these finances. I don't know if we will be able to buy a house. Am I going to be a good enough father? Like if at any point in that time... If he had done that, I could have gone there too. And we could have both been incredibly vulnerable and said, you know what, maybe we don't. And we need counseling or we need guidance or we can ask our friends. Never in the 15 years was that said because the skill set wasn't put in and he didn't have it. He had never seen it. And, and I know enough simply because of the relationship with my sons is so valuable. I say there was no handbook when you guys showed up. I am doing the best that I can with what I got. And there are going to be times I nail it and there will be times I am falling on my face. Please, please say something. If I have hurt your feelings, if I am way out of line, I love that Brene Brown line where she says, okay, the story I'm telling myself.
0: My ex husband is telling my daughters stories of, of how I handled things after I asked for a divorce. And that is not how I see it. And what I am, though, is sorry that he thinks anything I did was malicious. I feel just sorry for him that he's got no peace around it. So you help young women. What is something that you want the listeners to know that you teach to those young women? It's very easy to sit and go, my job is
1: horrible. I I hate where I live. My boyfriend doesn't appreciate me. I'm not making it enough money. What do I need to do today right now so that I can change my circumstances? I can change my situation. And do you want to be right here a year from now? Basically, the nugget, the pearl that I want them to walk out at the end of the class is to know that they can do something on a daily basis the way everybody else can. To alter where they are, what is hurting them, to take responsibility for that. If you're not feeling happy or content with yourself, there is something that you can do about it. If it, the group of friends that you are in are hurting you and are causing you pain on a daily basis, you can change that. If what you're reading on your phone or on social media is an attack, you can turn that off. I'm gonna lose connection. I go, well, then is the connection that you have currently serving you? We can buy something, we can drink something, we can have sex with somebody. We can do all of those things that may think, okay, this will fix it. Take a look at where you want to be and what do you need to do? I, I'm not asking you to dump all your friends today, move, shut down all your social media accounts. or that. You don't have to do that extreme. What's one little thing today that you can do and say, you know what, maybe I won't go on Facebook today. Maybe I won't check my Twitter feed. And then I'm going to go take a walk. I'm going to call up my friend and go, you know what, let's go take a ride and go to Jamba Juice and get something. You know, I can see that my mom's had a bad day. Mom, tell me what's happening. And maybe you can do that. There are other people watching us who may be right on the the fence themselves. By making that really hard decision, you have now empowered seven other people behind you. And those are seven other people that would have been hurt. It is ugly, it is hard, but it is so worth it. And now I know, especially when we're going through some ugly things, I go, we're going to keep going because I know how extraordinary the other side is.
0: I wish I had known as a young woman to take responsibility. Wow, thank you so much. This was so great. I just love your perspective, Aida. And thank you for listening. To subscribe to the podcast, check out our other episodes, and to keep up to date, head to seebeneathyourbeautiful.com. See you next week.